Hello and welcome to episode 1199 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, July 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing very well, and I, I, I appreciate that uh, that very upbeat intro because I, I know you're way more tired than that. <laughs> I know you're full of crap on that is what I'm trying to say. But uh, how was the weekend? Uh, weekend was good, man. It was hot here, but, you know, we got the pool, so that helps kind of keep us a little bit cool. And not hot like it has been in other areas of the uh, of the country, so, mm-hmm. uh, or how, how it usually is here. I mean, we've had maybe a week's worth in total of 100 degree, or like 95 plus degree days, um, which is insanely cool. And like, I think it's supposed to get back down into the 70s later this week which is insane for a year. So I don't know if that means we're just going to have a really hot uh, fall. Like if we're going to like 2017, we had all the fires and stuff. uh, We had like 120 degree September. Um, So I'm like hoping that's not what's going to happen. But so far I'm I'm enjoying, yeah, I'm enjoying this kind of mild summer. Yeah, we definitely don't want to uh, want that. Mild summer doesn't exist here in Texas. We're mm-hmm. getting the heat as you would expect. Uh, you know, it's it's all right. I can deal with it. I like the heat over the cold. Doesn't mean I don't get sweltering when it's uh, absolutely punishing out there. But um, I'm excited to talk some baseball. I know you guys talked on uh, yesterday on Sunday about some free agent stuff. I see your boy Sal Freilich there. You're in the Freilich mm-hmm. fan club. Does that mean that uh, you had some pickups of him? Yeah, like I wasn't overly aggressive on anybody, mostly because I don't have enough fab to be overly aggressive. Same. That's why I didn't really get anybody. Uh, I mean, I tried to get Encarcio Strand in a number of leagues. Only got him in one league where I spent 161 on him in a uh, OC where I still had 350 uh, And the backup bid okay. was $17. Uh, OCs are... Truly insane. insane. Yeah. You no. never have any idea. So, you know, you went for it. You covered the guy that was in front of, or, you mm-hmm. know, closest to you. And you got your guy and you still have plenty of money. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's grinding time. Like, uh, Jason yes. and I were talking about on Sunday. Like, uh, I remember being in first place in my main event at the beginning of July last year and everything falling apart. And so, like, I'm doing everything I can and everybody should be doing everything they can right now to hold on to their leads or, you know, grind out uh, victories if you're not uh, not in the lead right now. So stay stay vigilant right now. This is the time. Absolutely. You know, people are going to start shifting to football. We talk about this a lot. That creates mm-hmm. opportunities. People's money's running out. That creates opportunities. It does make bidding. It can make bidding a little bit tougher, though, because it's not straightforward. You can be looking mm-hmm. at an article that says this guy's going to go for 48, but then in your league, based on money, he ends up going for 12, and that, that can be pretty pretty difficult. But you can start getting bargains. I would start downshifting bids just in general. Obviously, if you're going for a guy and you desperately need him, that's one thing. But more more so than not, as we turn the calendar to uh, August next week, you should bring down those bids. Try to save yourself some money for that stretch run. I have ascended to fourth in my main, but it's going to be a long time before mm. I make another standings change, if I do. Because I'm at 115. I'm at 88 and a half and 115 is the next standings jump. The top three teams in my main event are all top 54 teams, 26, 52nd, and 54th. So got my work cut out for me, but uh, I'm definitely grinding. Let's talk some news notes, three up, three down, and then some surprising hitter ranks. I want to ask you where you think these guys are ranked at their respective positions and then blow your mind with their actual ranking. (laughs) Let's start with uh, Yanni Chirinos. Now, this is not a big mover and shaker changing the news first off there just wasn't a ton of news but also he was dfa'd over the weekend and promptly picked up tampa bay said see ya and atlanta said welcome yanni chirinos going to atlanta michael soroka's optioned you know anytime a premium team is picking up somebody even when they're picking up somebody from a another premium team in in the rays uh that's gonna have a little bit of you know interest Probably just like NL only for Yanni Trinos right now. I wanted to like him. I tried him out a few times. 402 ERA, sure. 125 whip, 
Sure, both of those, pretty solid. 12% strikeout rate and an 8% walk rate. 8% walk rate on his face is fine, but when Yanni Trinos only backs it up with a 12% K rate, Justin, that's pretty shitty. So mm-hmm. I have a hard time getting super excited, but the fact that he went to Atlanta means I had to bring it up. What do you think of Yanni Chirinos? It is amazing to me how deep Tampa Bay's pitching goes. They have lost every pitcher possible <laughs> this year. And they're um, cutting guys. And they're somehow cutting a, a viable arm. As much as I, you know, yeah. I don't love Yanni Trinos from a fantasy perspective. He still is a four ERA like this year in, it surprised in 62 me. innings. So uh, I, it was just surprised that when you told me that, because we were looking for news, couldn't really find very much uh, this morning. And when you told me that that just happened, I was like, whoa, that is ridiculous that Tampa Bay can afford to let go of arms. And you look, their rotation, it's it's four deep right now, but it's it's damn good still in spite of yep. losing two of their top-tier guys in Springs and Rasmussen. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't care about Chirinos outside of trying to, like, win-seek in a game yeah. um, because he just does not get enough strikeouts. Uh, and, I mean, this isn't a great park change for him. So, um, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I also wonder will Tampa or will Atlanta do something to bolster that rotation at the deadline? Um, you could certainly see it. Freed is out on rehab, so that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything Torino's could do to get back uh, on the radar in, in more of you know fifteens? Um, you know, he used to be kind of a nineteen to twenty percent strikeout guy, which is still pretty low for today's era, but a lot more viable than twelve freaking percent. In fact, he was twenty one percent. In 241 innings coming into this year, if he creeps back up there, is that interesting, or are, are you just? Yeah, out? I just, I just don't see it happening. I mean, he's got a 6.8% swing strike rate. That's so uh, bad. 92% zone contact. Like it's like he he just makes his living off of in trying to induce weak contact. Yeah, um, 244 Babbitt saving Yanni Torinos right now. Yeah. As for Soroka, easy cut everywhere. Like even the crazy deep yeah. leagues where you might have been holding him. I mean, Soroka strikes out a few more guys in Torino's, but there's just not enough total strikeouts to matter in fantasy, especially in a short, you know, season left. Right? I yep. mean, in a full season, you can go, hey, maybe he's going to give me really good ratios, and he'll at least compile the strikeouts. But now there's just not enough time for him to compile. So yeah, uh, again, he's another one of those guys. If and when he comes back. He's a win-seeking type, you know, streamer. You know, hey, I really need a win this week, and and he's got a really good matchup. Type, type yeah, I think that's really the only thing I could get was Soroka. You're right. He's kind of like a Chirinos plus, which in this instance just isn't that uh, viable. Nathan Eovaldi's going to get a start skipped this week. He is coming off of a six-scoreless outing against Tampa Bay, uh, but they want to be cautious. Velo's down. Strikeouts are way down. You know, he was trending as, like, the number one closer or closer starter for a while, Nathan Eovaldi, and he still ranks very high. He does have a three ERA in his last five starts, so you're not freaking out from that standpoint, but it's with 19 Ks in 30 innings. It's a 16% K rate, and he has 15 walks with it too, so the skills have been wobbly. The results have, have kind of uh, masked that for Eovaldi. The Rangers are going to give him a break this week. They figure, hey, we can maybe – get some opportunity here to kind of skip him. Cody Bradford looks like he'll fill in. What do you think about uh, Nathan Eovaldi getting skipped here? Obviously we're not sitting him or uh, we're not cutting him. I should say, does he get a start this weekend? They're skipping the Houston start. Are we worried that he might get a start at San Diego? So we have to put him in the lineup or are you just going to take the whole week off with Eovaldi and get back at it next week against Miami? Oh, that is a really tough question because, I mean, well, I guess their first three games are in Houston, so you don't have to worry about any of those games getting. Yeah, postponed. that's when he was scheduled. That, that that's, and, that's the one that's uh, pushed back. And his last three games are in San Diego, and if you've ever been to San Diego, it is like <laughs> 81 degrees and sunny, you know, 11 out of 12 months, right? So, like, I guess you don't really have to worry about, like, a postponement um in any of the games that would push him back out of that last start so i i assume he will make the start and i guess so you are you know you are probably still starting him 
this is really concerning though, right? <laughs> like, yes, Ivaldi, the velo down big time. By the way, I should point out, it's just the probable grids that are saying he's going to start on the weekend. Nothing in the news tidbit says that Ivaldi is going to start on the weekend. Mm -hmm. It just says that the Houston start is skipped. It doesn't say it's pushed back to the weekend or anything. So I actually don't know if, if Ivaldi is getting the start. And that velo was down big in the last game. I mentioned that he, he survived just fine, but it was 93.1, which is over two miles an hour lower than uh, Ivaldi's season average of 95.5. Well, and two starts ago, he was at 96.2. So in just That's two starts, he's gone down three miles an hour. That's nuts. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the most amount of innings Ivaldi. Oh no, I guess he threw 182 in in in, in 2021. So, but I mean, he's got a, a long history of breaking down, Very of not old. being able to stay healthy. Uh, you know, I, I I've already said a few times I, I would have already sold him, um, try to turn him into some hitting or something like that because he's mm -hmm. just gotten so much goodness. I think at this point. You could probably still try to sell high, but you're just not able to sell as high as you were, you know, two or three weeks ago. So, yeah. And if you're selling now, it's coming on some down news. You could probably yeah. still get something pretty good, but you might want to wait it out with Ivaldi and, and try to get another high. But uh, yeah, you know, see if you can dig and find news about the weekend start, but otherwise just park him for the week and see what's up with Ivaldi coming back next week. He's been so great this year. You can't really complain about it. Like You got 123 innings of a 269 ERA. If that's literally all you got, that would be a win wherever Ivaldi went. So that yeah. that's totally fine. Uh, Brandon Fought returns for the D-backs. He pitched in Cincinnati yesterday, went uh, quality start, six innings, three runs, but all three runs were solo shot homers. So that's kind of, uh, you know, douses the, the start a little bit if you were trying to get excited. Brandon Fought was somebody we liked coming into the year. There was a lot of excitement about him. He's been a pretty big, you know, pretty big disappointment. He has an 881 ERA and a 164 whip in 31 and two thirds. That is a minuscule sample. Is there anything you're seeing in Fought to get you excited for a stretch run here? Not for a stretch run. I still think he's going to be a pretty good pitcher you know, in the future, uh, I just, I don't know that he is going to have a rotation spot in a week. I, I think, you know, the yeah, trade deadline is a week from, they should improve. They need I to agree. improve that, that rotation. Like Tommy Henry and Brandon Fott should not be relied upon. Like, you know, you know, your rotation is not good when it is a big hit to lose Zach Davies to the IL. Um, so, and they're going to get Merrill Kelly back here uh, this week. Uh, but, I think they need to add at least one, if not two starters at the deadline. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's a pretty good chance that Fott is back in the minors um, and probably stays there the majority, if not the rest of the year. So uh, I, I no real interest. I did not put any bids on him in Fab this week. I just I, he's too volatile with a command. Yeah, and, and it, it leads to homers, which is the biggest mm -hmm. whip, uh, ERA killer you can find. I wonder if they should keep him up and put him in the bullpen, though, Once, if and when they do uh, reinforce the rotation. Maybe let Fought. And that wouldn't be fantasy relevant necessarily because I don't think they're going to close him. But I, no. I, I think I think they should consider keeping him on the team that way, even if they do go out and get a handful of starters. A handful. I mean, like one or two. Um, I mean, they don't need to – like from an innings perspective, I mean, he threw 166 innings last year. Like, oh yeah. I just mean if they that, replace yeah. him. No, I, more, I, agree. I, I know you're more saying. if they just, get, yeah, if they get two guys to replace Henry. But usually we, usually we talk about like young pitchers moving into the bullpen for the playoff run because, you know, they've had so many innings, but they still want them on the roster. Like five yeah. is, it's a matter of his ability to execute, which has been a real problem. Yes, absolutely been been troublesome. A lot of problems executing for this guy as well. Your boy Brady Singer, but not as much recently. And a fantastic outing in Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Six innings, two runs, nine Ks. Now going into Yankee Stadium when Judge isn't hitting for that team has been a lot easier. It's still good, though, because he wasn't really taking on anybody of note. He's looked better of late. You look at his last five starts, there's the one 13-hit, six-earned run dud at Cleveland. But even including that, I'm not taking that out. The last five starts are a 366 ERA, 341 FIP. 
for Brady Singer. Are you back in on your guy? It's uh, three or four Ks in each of the four starts before the 9K outing. So that's an interesting spike. Is there anything here? Or is this just a good start taking advantage of a crap offense? I mean, I think it's mostly taking advantage of a crap offense. Um, but the intriguing thing about Singer over these last three starts is we're starting to see increased use of his changeup. Okay. You know, the biggest criticism on Singer and the thing that I probably ignored a little bit too much coming into draft season uh, is the fact that he's a two-pitch guy. Um, and, I mean, the majority of the year, I mean, he's got a 6% usage on that change. Well, to these last three starts, he's close to 10%. If he can move that above 10%, then we might have something here a little bit. But I just – I don't believe it yet, um, you know, and – uh, unfortunately, the Royals suck, so it's not like you're win-seeking a lot with him anyways. No. He didn't even win that game. He didn't even win the yeah. Yankees game. Yeah, so, I, I I mean, I think for this year, I'm mostly – I mean, I dropped him in the majority of the leagues where I was able to drop him. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't get this start. I'm okay with that. Uh, but I am watching closely to see if he can continue to kind of increase that third pitch usage – uh, so that way we've got something a little bit more stable coming into 2024. Yeah, then we can dive back in next year on Brady Singer uh, when everyone kind of fades away from it. We'll see. Uh, let's play a little three up, three down with some pitchers. Let's start with all-star Michael Lorenzen. 13.7, two thirds scoreless innings since the all-star break. 208 ERA in his last six with five of the eight earned runs coming in Coors. So he has the one bad start, but... Coors Field, you're not really freaking out over anybody having trouble there. Is Lorenzen 12-team viable down the stretch here? He's got a 349 ERA, 109 whip on the season. Yeah, the Ks are low, but everything else is working there. I know there could be a wrench thrown in this if he gets traded somewhere, and we'd have to kind of reassess there. But as it stands right now with Michael Lorenzen, is he somebody you run out in 12s pretty consistently? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say consistently. I, I mean, I think like he's got a two star. Oh no, he doesn't have a two star week this week, does he? Uh, oh, he does have a two. No, no, he's yeah. going to the Angels. Um, on Wednesday. So yeah, yeah, that's right. He gets Angels. Um, Scooble and Erod get two stars so because he's going to line up for. He's going to line up for a two start potentially next week. Um, he has been really good against bad teams. And really awful against good teams. And so I still think that, well, I think he should be rostered in every format. Um, I don't know that he needs to be, you know, played every start. I think you've still got to pick your starts with him. Uh, And more than likely, he's going to get traded at the deadline. And where he lands will determine a lot of his kind of future value. And so... He's a guy that I've been saying sell high on, um, you know, and you in can't my sell, sell high articles. Him, though. <laughs> Get something for him, I think. I mean, what what stadium is he going to go to? I mean, I guess he could if he could go to Baltimore, like that would be a, a you know, a pretty good, or even Arizona. Nice. Arizona is a really you know nice place. I think Arizona so. would be a, a pretty interesting fit for Lorenzen. Yeah, I don't like trading with Arizona though. As a Tigers fan, they they ripped us off for JD Martinez. They're going to give us they some ripped crap. off a few guys. Yeah, yeah, they're going to give us some crap for Lorenzen. But uh, in fairness, I don't expect Lorenzen to return anything major. But I think there's some spots he could go. You know, um, we talk about Tampa Bay just churning through talent, uh, getting rid of Trinos. They could get a Lorenzen. They I, I could still see them acquiring arms, even though they let Trinos go. It's because they just don't have any confidence in him, I guess. So we'll see how that goes. But Lorenzen's been great. I agree with you. I'm not necessarily just turning him loose in 12s uh, with Lorenzen. I am still being very considerate of what I do with him. But my 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 range is a lot more open than it was coming into the year. And just to underscore your point about the good team, bad team thing, 202 ERA against sub-500 teams with an 085 whip. And a 587-149 ERA whip combo against good teams. So it is pretty much that cut and dried right now. Um, You got to be careful. And and that includes, obviously, the Colorado start uh, on the negative end, Mm -hmm. on on the sub-500 end. And he still does very well against them. So that's Michael Lorenzen. Let's talk Kenta Maeda, 
who's actually looking pretty solid since returning from the IL. Uh, 273 ERA, 103 whip, and 26% strikeout minus walk. Guy we've been a big fan of over the years. But coming back from TJ this year, don't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, I wasn't really going out trying to get him on waiver wires, but he's been mostly good since returning. How do we feel about uh, Kent Maeda? He started the season poorly. He has a 10 ERA start on a 10 earned run start on his ledger, which is 10 of the 24 earned runs he's allowed all year. So keep that in mind when you're looking at the 510 ERA. And that probably obscures how good he's been since returning. Is Maeda on your 10 and 12 team waiver uh, radar? He is for this week. He's got a two-start week uh, versus Seattle and Kansas City. You don't get much Ooh. better than that. So, oh, that's that's um, really nice. I do worry about his ability to go deep in games and stay healthy, uh, but you're playing matchups with him. Uh, and I mean, I think you know them. Set, the twin sending down Louis Varland gives Maeda a lot of rope, uh, and they've also got a nice little you know lead in the division three game lead over the guardians seven games over the tigers so uh yeah i think you're rolling with him in good matchups i don't think he's a matchup proof kind of guy i don't think he's the guy he used to be but i mean 10 strikeouts per nine is pretty awesome for for maeda and i are you sure he's not the guy he used to be 29 k rate seven percent walk that's for the whole season that's not just mm -hmm. this five-star run I kind of think Maeda is pretty close to the guy he he's been. Yeah. So I I I, I co-sign what you're saying, but I might add a little bit more to it and say that he is kind of matchup proof. Not not fully because I think in a ten team, but and based on the way you acquired Maeda, tens and twelves, there's worlds where you definitely have pitchers that are as good or better than him. So you don't have to just blindly start him. But I think you can lean toward yes more often than not, even in, in shower formats for Maeda. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's had a really soft schedule since returning. That helps. He has I mean, helps. one game at Atlanta, which is not a soft. And I mean, he, he you know, he had a pretty good start, uh, but it wasn't like as good as the other starts. But the other starts were at Detroit, home versus Kansas City, at Oakland, at Seattle. Like that's that's pretty, really yeah. That's about as soft. And as you mentioned that, so. that the schedule is going to stay soft this yep. week. Uh, it'll be Arizona next week, which isn't super easy, but it's also not super tough. They they don't kill everybody, but they are good against righties. But uh, yeah, I think you're rolling with my eight. I think you should pick him up. I think he's going to have a lot more availability in shallower formats than he should. Let me look that up real quick and see what kind of. 12-team availability as over at uh, Yahoo. 53% rostered, so plenty of availability for yep. Maeda. I'm scooping him. And then our final final one on three up is Kodai Senga. And the main reason I wanted to bring him up is he has a 242 ERA, one flat whip with a 29% strikeout minus walk in his last four with just a 7% walk rate. He had 13% walk rate coming into that four-start run. I'm more spinning it forward for next year with Senga. How have you viewed him this year, his first year stateside? And do you think that you're, he's going to be someone you're interested in next year as as uh, a guy to draft because he was kind of untrusted this year, so it was a cheap price? Mm -hmm. He's SP33. Do you believe in Kodai Senga? I do believe in Senga. I'm very interested to see what the Mets do. Like, you know, like, are the Mets... Oh, as far as this season? As far as this season and then going into next season. Like, yeah, um, I, I I wonder with the new ownership, like, are they just going to be the team that like throws money, you know, at, you know, every single uh, free agent every year? Like um, and like, what do they do with, you know, Verlander and Scherzer here at the deadline? Like, are they yep. are they looking to like try to, you know, turn them into a bunch of prospects, especially because they can eat money like the, this is That's a team true. that does not care. And, um, you know, if, if Verlander and Scherzer become available at the deadline and they're willing to go, hey, we'll eat a big chunk of their contract just to get a lot of prospects and stuff back, like, those become the prizes of the deadline. Um, Definitely. Not the, not the Jordan Montgomery's and, and guys like that. Of and the Michael Lorenzen's. So. <laughs> Michael Lorenzen's, yeah, exactly. Uh, but as far as saying it goes, I'm very, uh, I'm very intrigued by him considering how good good of a job he's done at limiting walks in his last uh, few starts. I mean, last four starts, he has not given up more than two walks in, uh, in any start. Um, he's getting strikeouts. 
The one thing I will say, though, is he's had a lot more days off in between these starts than he normally would. And you wonder how much that plays into it, because in Japan, they've got the extra day off. Once a week. Yep. Yeah. Everybody goes once a week as opposed to once every six days. So um, I do want to see how he kind of finishes down the stretch. Like, is he able to keep it going without these days off? But this is a very, very um intriguing uh, and interesting uh kind of stretch of starts i still want i still want to see him do it for a longer period i mean we're talking about a guy who's had five walks per nine almost the entire yeah. season so that's been a big deal for senga i think you highlight a great point with the extra time off and you can see that throughout his schedule the more time off he gets it usually correlates to the better starts and then when he's on standard rotation that's where a lot of his worst starts fit mm-hmm. in there's an occasional gem in there but uh, that's a great call, and they're not, they might not be able to just give him that extra yeah. time down the stretch. So be careful with Sanga. But he's put up a good first year so far, barring just a collapse in August and September. It looks like it's going to be a nice debut, and uh, I think he's going to have some heat in the market next year, especially if he finds a way to really bring the Ks down over the final two months. Ne- but- next two starts, he gets home versus Washington and at Kansas City. Oh, that's a great setup. Yeah, so I mean, like, his numbers are going to look really, really good as we start getting to the beginning of August. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to, to stay hot for Kodai Senga, especially with those walks. Let's go three down. Mitch Keller, back-to-back duds, 7.04 ERA in four July starts. His homer rate is up 2x in the last 11 starts to 1.5 homer 9, uh, 0.7 in the ones before that. 5.51 ERA as well. So... You're looking at recent struggles, a little bit more elongated struggles when you uh, spin it backwards with Keller. Now, there are great starts mixed in that run. I don't want to pretend that this has been an 11-start slog where nothing has gone well. Uh, It's actually kind of bookended by some trouble if you look at the 11 starts in question where the first three were kind of mediocre, then a really good run of, let's see, that is six starts, and then the two duds recently. So... There's been ups and downs, but the recent ones, five homers in those two games against Cleveland and the Angels. The home run rate is the concerning thing for me with Mitch Keller. Is the breakout being stifled? Because he's now over a four ERA at 401, which is higher than last year. But the whip is down considerably from 140 to 120. Where do you currently stand on Keller in the midst of this breakout-ish year? Can I say he is who he's always been? Like, this is... uh, like. I know, but that but, people... but he's not though. But he's not. His core skills are way better this year, right? Twenty five percent K, seven percent walk. Those are both career bests by a lot. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, if we like flipped, we reversed like the starts on the season. Like this would just feel like a regular Mitch Keller season, right? Like if he no, started off with a one, it he has a one twenty whip. You are verifiably wrong. He has a one forty seven career whip in one twenty this year. How can you say that that's the same guy? I think you're trying to poo poo him because he didn't call him or something. I don't know. I was. I got Mitch Keller on a couple teams. It's not like okay, I, like, okay. So you you were in a bit. No. I will say this. You'd have a better argument with me if you were saying, look, 9% swinging strike rate. How can I bank on the 25% K rate with with that? He's up 0.2 from last year's swinging strike rate. So that's nothing. Here's here's, So since the beginning of June. Mm -hmm. So we're talking last nine starts. Yes. What do you think his strikeout rate and what do you think his whip is? Probably not good because I gave the 11 start streak streak that isn't good but you don't invalidate everything i'm, I'm not saying that. you invalidate i say this is a guy that is shown that he is volatile he's going to have really good stretches and he's also going to have really ugly stretches and you have to be able to kind of live with both and if we had had the really ugly stretch to start the season this would feel like just another mitch keller season as opposed to an actual breakout He's got a 135 sure whip. 135 whip since the beginning of June. And that's still five points. Rate. That's still five <laughs> points better than last year. Last year he had a 140 whip. That ERA was deceptive. Mm-hmm. I get your I get where you're angling. Especially because I go back to that nine percent. I'm not saying there hasn't been improvements. Okay, like, there, but it feels like you have are. been improvements. It feels like you were but saying that. I still think he is 
the general, generally the same guy that he's always been, which is a guy who will go on really nice runs. You know, he's protected by that really nice ballpark. Um, and then he's also going to go through stretches in which he loses his command, loses control. Um, you know, the velocity is not an issue. He's throwing 96 last game. Like, he, you know, he's. No, he, he turned that up last year and that clicked. Now, this yeah. year, the sweeper and everything. He does take advantage of his home park, as you mentioned. The whip's way better there. So is the ERA. He's, he's got inconsistent mechanics. And he can't, when get, you have he can't those... get lefties out, though. I think mm-hmm. it might be more something where he needs to figure out a pitch for lefties because he's got a pretty big platoon split over 200 points with a, 11 of the 16 homers coming against lefties as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the problem too. So let's spin it forward for the rest of this year right now. Keller's been somebody who has been a set it and forget it for a while now. Does that change at all based on this recent run? Are you now maybe sitting him in, in, in if so, what formats and what type of matchups for Mitch Keller? By the way, this week I should point out before you answer, uh, he has Philly at home and then a trip to Milwaukee next week. Me personally, I'm starting both of those in every format. Mm. I think I'm probably sitting the Philly start, but I'm definitely starting the Milwaukee at home. Yeah, you got to start Philly. Philly's starting to get hot. Philly's not bad. Got to start Mitch Keller at home. I do not think there's a league set where you can sit him. Maybe a 10 if you just got a boss rotation, but 12s and 15s, I don't think he can find a sit. Maybe. It depends Maybe, on I, it depends on your other options. I, I certainly think depends on your options. I don't think so. getting a 15, it's in the it's in the conversation. You don't yeah. got anybody better than Mitch Keller. Yeah, if no. Do, I think... If you do, you're winning your league. Like you're 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 in first yeah. place, which is great. So then maybe you do sit him, but anywhere else, I don't think so. In a 15. Uh, let's talk Emmett Sheehan. Now, Dodger rookies this year have not really panned out overall, right? Uh, Gavin Stone, major flop. Michael Grove, pretty big flop. Bobby Miller, solid, but certainly not game-changing. 428 ERA, 119 whip and 10 starts. Not bad. Uh, but then Emmett Sheehan, 675 ERA, 147 whip. He's been bad. Like So three bad and one decent as far as those four go. Uh, we're looking at Sheehan, three straight duds. Where are we rostering Emmett Sheehan? We're not. Nowhere? Yeah, I mean, you should not have a usable start for him the rest of the season. He's going up against Cincinnati here this week. Definitely You're not, don't want that. You don't, I mean... I know it's not in Cincinnati, but the Dodgers have been a top five ballpark in terms of power yeah. and home runs given up this year. So, uh, and then he's out of the rotation because the Dodgers are trading for somebody, and I can't I, imagine Sheehan is in the rotation. Uh, maybe he moves to the bullpen and he can strengthen the team that way. But like he's getting he's dropped close. after this week, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. I, I think he still has um, an intriguing future, but he also could just turn into a guy that is a middle reliever. Um, he, know, he could. Um, We're not there yet, though. I, yeah, I agree no. with you in the short term. Um, in the long term, I still think all, all of those guys that I mentioned, Miller, Stone, Grove, and Sheehan, are intriguing uh, in various degrees with Miller and Stone being up at the top and then Grove and Sheehan being a cut below them. Uh, I kind of see it as I'm, a couple. I'm starting of Michael Grove in my main event this week. I don't blame you. Uh, I like Toronto it. and versus Cincinnati. Yeah, both at um, home. He's been he's been he's been doing a few things. Like it's a little nerve wracking, but I like it in a 15 teamer. I'm, I'm I, with you. I, I may end up chickening out at some point in favor of. That's the problem. It's you know putting AJ Puck in my lineup or hoping that Yuri Perez makes a start this week. So, Speaking of I almost brought up Yuri Perez randomly like yeah so you're obviously still holding him should you be? I think so. He's he's got to be coming back and he's going straight back into the rotation when he does. So That's what we think, but man, I don't know. I am nervous. I I, he's too good in a 15 team league to drop onto the wire. I think it feels, it, it feels really difficult to pull the trigger on cutting a name that has a 236 ERA and a 109 whip. And the only reason he's not pitching is by choice uh, of yeah. the team. Um, he's got to no, be coming I'm, I'm back. They're, they're, they're in a playoff race. Like if they were the Marlins of last year, then I'd be like, yeah, you might be a cut because you know, the Marlins aren't competitive. You know, if they even bring him back, is he even a rotation piece? But 
they're not go they're not trying to make a playoff push with Johnny Cueto in that rotation. Hey, I was just about to bring this up. You shut your mouth. Johnny Cueto looked brilliant. I'm not even joking. He was awesome against Colorado. It's Colorado. Uh, six innings, one run on two hits, a walk, eight strikeouts, bunch of swinging strikes. Gets Detroit this week. I still ride with Cueto. Um, I'm gonna rec- Ed- I'm gonna be recommending him in the in the deeper leagues this uh, this week against Detroit. Edward Colorado, Cabrera gets his next two starts are at Tampa Bay and then home versus Philly. There you go. After that start, I think uh, I think Yuri Perez is back next week. All right, we'll keep tabs on. They only have five games this week, so it's an easy week to kind yeah. of not use him. Just throw Cueto against Detroit and get away with it. But then maybe the following week we see some Yuri Perez. Um, anyways, interesting transition. We were talking Emmett Sheehan there. You brought up Yuri Perez. Let's stay on it. Yuri Perez's team and talk Braxton Garrett, who's on the three down. A meager July with a 785 ERA and four starts, 2.5 homer nine. And like Keller, he's seen a big surge. 1.1 homer nine in his first uh 82 innings. But but I will point out um he had a 0.7 homer nine in 77 innings, and then the four homers in the 10 ERA earned run dud for Garrett kind of skews his numbers. Here's the interesting thing. So bottom line, rough July. Homer's way up. He hasn't topped 90 pitches all year, and that really surprised me when I saw that about Braxton Garrett. I had somebody, I want to say in my, I want to say my chat, my, my Fangraphs chat, point out that he was managed like this a while ago, which once I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, they're, they're 100% right. I didn't realize that. But isn't that crazy that he hasn't topped 90 pitches? And now he's really living on that five-and-dive wire, and it's causing some trouble for Braxton Garrett. Do you have concerns about him on the heels of his meager July? It's not really a meager July. It's one really bad start. Like it, it's all four are pretty bad. Inning. It really is a meager July. Now you, you want to say skills aren't cause he only has one. Yeah, walk, this, sure. But this, this, well, these are all bad starts as far as ERA. Like, and you know, he's got a, 374 FIP and a 384 X FIP. If you don't include that, the Colorado start. So like, I'm not super worried about this. I, you know, I mean, he just been so good that there was going to have to be a little bit of regression, but he still pitches one of the best parts in baseball for a team who's actually competitive. Surprisingly this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super. It's Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really either. Um, that, that 90 pitch thing gives me a little, a little yeah. pause though. And then the, the K's kind of evaporated after a nice little surge. Because he was really good after the the eleven and running, I said ten. By the way, uh, after that, he really went on a run. Nine starts of a two fifty ERA with sixty eight Ks and in fifty innings. And I guess now there's just been some give back. Boston, St. Louis, Philly, Baltimore, Colorado are the five starts. Three of those, the off four of those, I would say the offenses are pretty good. Boston, St. Louis, Philly, and Baltimore. Baltimore was in Baltimore. So you have part of the field that's uh, not bad to pitch in. The other part can be a little tough. And then Colorado at home, he should have done better there, and he kind of botched that one. But that is the three three of the five homers during July. So your general point about his core skills for Braxton Garrett being good, I, I grant that because that is absolutely true. And I'm not recommending moving off of him or anything. The 90-pitch thing is, is kind of a bummer, though, because yeah. anytime he gives up three runs, he can be in trouble because he has to stretch to even get six innings. Yeah, but I mean, even with that, he's just so efficient start to start. I mean, he only has one start this year where he's got more than two walks. He had a three-walk outing in Colorado where we know the ball doesn't move like it does at sea level, right? And And he survived. Yeah, so you can excuse that. Like, even his bad starts aren't going to be like Michael Kopech bad starts or – Lance Lynn bad starts. Like I said, like well, he had one, but it was a, that, that was against Atlanta, and they he kind of wore it. Like they kind of just let him. Yeah, that a was bit. like that was just cruelty, like by his, you know, by well, his coaches. Like that, he gave like, up seven in the second, one in the third, scoreless fourth. Came out for the fifth. They were like, oh, we can maybe get five out of him, and he gave up five more. Yeah, and like, that, that's where he really got got. Well, he didn't give up all five of those. That would have been eight, three of those went to him. So yeah, Braxton Garrett, we're not buckling at all. We're fully no. with him, starting him everywhere. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's talk about some surprising hitter ranks. So we're gonna look at them on the uh, Rasball Player Raider, and I'm gonna quiz you on where they're at, and then blow your mind. All right, I'm not even gonna look at my computer. I'm gonna do this all off the top of my head. Here we go. Alejandro Kirk, where's he at amongst catchers? 
I'm going to say he is 21st amongst catchers. 32nd. <laughs> Four homers, 251 average, 24 ribbies, 16 runs. Yeah. 16 runs. Oh, my God. That is so bad. Now, we've talked a bit about Alejandro Kirk in passing here and there throughout the year. I think we talked about him on a um, Are You Dropping These Catchers episode a while ago when there was a big catcher infusion where are you holding Alejandro Kirk at this point? Let's just break it down like that, since I think it'll be a shorter team, list. 15-team, two-catcher league, I think, is the only place we're holding him. And that's him. it, right? Yeah, and I mean, even there, you can try to, you know, like, pick up. I picked up David Fry in a league, because at least Fry steals some bases, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm getting some, 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 you know, cheap stolen bases from my cat, the second catcher spot. But, yeah, at this point, like, it's a bummer because I mean I love Kirk coming in the year. I've got him in a number of places. I did too. And uh yeah, he's just been awful. Uh and I know Danny Jansen got hit by a pitch over the weekend, but mm-hmm. you know, the X-rays came back negative. So he's gonna continue to eat that time. Brandon Belt's hitting well, so Brandon Belt's gonna continue to eat all the time at DH. Uh Kirk is Kirk isn't gonna get the opportunities to turn things around, even if he could just from a straight skills. Perspective, yeah, and because Danny Jansen's also a better catcher behind yeah. the dish too, so Much that better, adds yeah. that adds to his appeal without a doubt. Sixteen runs is just flooring me, dude. Yeah. On on uh, Kirk's total there, that's a nightmare. I agree with you. Fifteen team, two catchers, only spot I'm holding him. Where's Cody Bellinger ranked amongst first basemen? Uh, I'm gonna say he's seventh. Oh, you nailed it. It only took you to number two, and you absolutely Mm stone-cold nailed it. Cody Bellinger sitting seventh among first basemen. Also carries that outfield eligibility. Hey, the people that were in on him hoping for the uh, scenery change, it's panned out. 14 homers, 12 steals, Justin pointing to himself. 319 Mm -hmm. average in 68 games. Obviously missed some time, but when playing, he's been fantastic. Here's the question. Does he stay in Chicago by the time uh, the deadline is done? No, he's he's not going to be in Chicago. Uh, I think he ends up like in Houston. Um, oh my god, that would be really you know play good. it play it. It's it, a lot of it's going to depend on like his health, right? Like mm-hmm. he's been playing first base because he's been dealing with some health issues, and so do teams want to take on that health risk if they can't play him at first base? Because you're not playing him first base in Houston. He's still know, playing he, some center though. Like yeah. they they might feel like we can still get him in the out because Houston outfield would be perfect for yeah. So Bellinger. I mean, if he, if he can man center field in Houston, it may screw Chas McCormick. Uh, uh, people who are who's, rostering who's been playing very well, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think he I think he is the most light one of the most likely guys uh, in Chicago to get traded. Is on a one year deal. Is a pillow yeah. contract. Um, they're not competitive. They want to get something back for him. And so he's been amazing. This is a 145 OPS plus for Bellinger. You cash yeah. this chip in, they're going to get something legitimate. This is yeah, not going to be a, a garbage deal, in my opinion. And I Bryce, mean, center fielders go for a lot, right? Like, I exactly. Mean, there aren't a ton of set, like, good offensive center fielders that are going to be available. So it's a great call. Uh, let's stay on the high end. Where's Bryson Stott ranked among second basemen? Oh, okay. Um, Bryson Stott, I think, is going to be the, uh, let's say, the 11th second baseman. So wondering if you double up because he is indeed seventh again at second base. I wanted to go single digits, but I just felt like that was too high for Bryson Stott. But he's been rolling. I think part of it, too, is the lack of. Uh, greatness at second base has helped. It's a big glob of just kind of sameness, and he's been able to stand out with nine homers, 19 steals, a 304 average, 36 ribbies, and 48 runs. That's been a really nice metric for Bryson Stott as well. He's kind of having the breakout. I feel like it's been quiet. I feel like Bryson Stott is not getting the love that he deserves for what he's been doing this year. How do you feel about the 25-year-old's breakout, and are you uh, in on him as a long-term piece? Bryson Stott? I think, I mean, he's one of those guys that had kind of the, you know, just above average speed that I think has really benefited from, you know, the new rules in terms of larger bases and and pitchers not being able to throw over and things like that. Um, I wonder, I mean, I wonder as the position starts to thicken up, as it it will inevitably do, uh, like if he just drops because of that, right? Like, 
Um, and if I remember correctly, and like I said, I'm not, not looking at my computer uh, for answers. Hasn't he been platooned a lot? Like, doesn't he sit a lot versus lefties, I want to say? He's um, got 26 starts against a lefty starter, 51 games in all, obviously relief appearances there i think he's playing pretty consistently okay. bryson stott I, I think he has avoided that now maybe that is a situation where they don't have a choice type of deal mm-hmm. but let me see against lefties recently if bryson stott is uh is falling out of the lineup. okay i think you might be right here so okay looking at the last one two three four five six seven eight nine games against lefties stott's only started three so you're dead on yeah okay he is indeed so- platooning I don't necessarily think he should platoon, but they are platooning him uh, against lefties. So that definitely helps cap kind of his ceiling a little bit. So I don't know that he can keep that top 10 ranking long term, but. Statistically, he should not. 782 against righties, 786 against lefties. And it's not just some crazy bad. 349 is high and and good uh, against lefties, but it's 338 against righties. So he's not holding like a 420 BABIP against lefties that's driving him. So this is kind of interesting that uh, Stott is getting platooned. Uh, You nailed it there. But I I think think they're doing it wrong with that. Makes a lot of zone contact. Shout out to Rob DiPietro. This is his dude um, from last year. Uh, and I think he was still on him this year. Uh, and he was a guy I didn't even know anything about coming into last year. So, uh, yeah, big, big, big props to, to Rob on, on the Bryson Stott call. Uh, yeah, I do think Love he it. probably falls outside of the top 10 at second base, especially if things thicken up next year. But enjoy the hell out of the ride right now because he's second Absolutely. and shortstop eligible. Um, and he's kind of contributing in all categories right now. Yeah, Bryson Stott's been fantastic, and even with those platoon issues right now, I wouldn't worry about it too much at all. Let's talk Jordan Walker over at third base. Where does he rank? Oh, he's actually going to rank fairly decently. I'm going to say he is 13th. I thought you might be fooled by that one. He is. Oh, no. 39th. It's because he doesn't have all. He doesn't have the the plate appearances. There's a lot of volume issues. Yeah, two hundred and thirty-seven plate appearances. Nine homers, four steals, four for eight on the bases. So not good. But uh, we just most leagues only care about the four steals, not the net steals. Two seventy-six, three thirty-eight, four forty-two slash line for Jordan Walker. Now we were big on him. We were saying if he plays all year, he's an absolute god. He's not been an absolute god, but he certainly hasn't been bad either. That's a one twelve OPS plus for Jordan Walker. So he's been 12% better than league average. Volume is a part of why he isn't ranked as high as you thought. 117 WRC plus, by the way, too. So a little bit higher there. What do we think about Jordan Walker? 237 plate appearances into his career. Do we do we think we were too overzealous? Uh, or is it just that volume where if he was playing, if he had a full allotment of plate appearances, you'd feel a lot better about him. What do you saying on Jordan Walker? Yeah, I think if he had a full allotment of plate appearances, we'd be feeling a lot better. I mean, he you know he hits the ball extremely hard. He makes league average zone contact, which is one of the like one of the things people were afraid of is is he going to swing too much, swing and miss too much in the zone. That has not really been an issue for him. the The numbers look really good. It's just he's not getting the volume. Now we'll see what St. Louis does at the deadline, and True. maybe they open up some more, and he's kind of a big second half guy. Uh, but I'm not worried about the current or future prospects for Jordan Walker. Uh, I, you know, I haven't dropped him in any leagues and I'm continuing to kind of roll him out there, expecting him to really turn it on as soon as he gets kind of that full run of play appearances. Yeah. It, it hasn't been a slam dunk breakout. This guy was amazing for Jordan Walker, but I'm pretty undeterred by him. And uh, I, you know, eager to see how these last two plus months play out. I find myself likely still drafting him next year unless he just surges like crazy and the price go- gets out mm-hmm. of control or something. Yeah. What about Nico Horner over at shortstop for the Cubs? Oh, I think Nico Horner is a top five. I'm going to say fifth shortstop. You're close, but he's uh, only eighth. Uh, also second and short eligible. Uh, ninth at uh, ninth at shortstops, Bryson Stott. So he's he, they're right by each other. These two, they rank um, six seven at second, uh, eight nine at short. Nico Horner. I talked about him uh, earlier in the year. It's been a while since we've really brought him up 
on the show, but this was a guy that I had no real feeling on. He was like kind of neutral for me. I just kind of put him in my rankings right around where he was going. Didn't really deep dive him. And I feel like I missed the boat a little bit. Six homers, 22 steals, uh, 22 steals after having 20 all of last year. So he's taken advantage of the rules. This is in 98 fewer plate appearances that he has two more steals. Six homers, you know, not ripping the ball, you know, ripping the cover off the ball with power, but six homers in uh, 419 plate appearances with a 273 average. I can certainly live with that, especially as a top 10 shortstop. Nico Horner's been very nice. And he still has a chance to keep the double eligibility next year because he's only two games away from shortstop eligibility for next year with 18 games. What do you think of Nico Horner's kind of uh, building on his breakout year? The interesting thing I will say before you answer is it's actually been more of a fantasy thing than a real life because his Mm -hmm. OPS plus is down from 105 to 92, but the fantasy production has been great. So what do you think of Nico Horner? Yeah, I mean, when I was looking at what to do kind of strategically coming into 2023, I didn't really, and I didn't think anybody had a really good grasp of exactly what was going to happen with all these rule changes, right? We mm-hmm. we had general, you know, estimations and, you know, there are a lot of uh, hypotheses on which guys were going to really benefit from the rule change, which guys weren't. For me, because this was very similar to 2020 and the 2021 coming off the 2020 season in terms of, we have no historical basis for these kind of rule changes and all these rule changes together in the same year. For I sure. wanted to focus on skills and what Nico Horner does at the plate is not something you can fake. He's got elite zone contact ability. He's got the fifth highest zone contact in all of baseball, 94.7%. Um, and he can run like we knew that he could run last year. Now it's going to be easier to run. Okay, you're going to get a ton of stolen bases. You're going to get a good batting average. Uh, you know, we don't we didn't know how good the Cubs were going to be, but we knew he was going to hit towards the top of that lineup. Um, and he's he's kind of produced exactly what I thought he was going to. And so my only regret is that he was dealing with some sort of you know minor injury, like a quad injury or something like that. While we were in Vegas, because the only places I didn't get him are my main event or my auction. And I damn love to get him there. <laughs> so Nico was the ninth drafted second baseman. But just to tell you the difference in disparity between the two positions, the 19th drafted shortstop yeah. mm-hmm. at pick 142. So there were so many shortstops going there. Uh, but yeah, I've been really impressed. And I, I mentioned that early in the year, I was watching a ton of Cubs games because I was trying to make Hayden Wesneski a thing by willing it into existence mm-hmm. and also enjoying some Justin Steele starts. And that's when I kind of took notice of him. I was like, this guy's this guy's pretty damn good. And I like Nico Horner. So I've jumped on the train late. I don't really have him anywhere. I use him in DFS uh, on occasion. But uh, I missed the boat on him this year just by not giving him a deep enough look. So he, he's been he's been really good. Let's go to the outfield. I got I got two guys for the outfield, one up, one down. Lane Thomas, where's he rank? Oh, this is going to be the up one. Definitely, um, he is going to be like 14th. Like it's it's going to be ridiculously high. It's even higher. He oh God, eighth. Oh, because Lane Thomas, dude, I'm a year early and I'm so pissed. I would not shut the hell up about Lane Thomas last year, and he was mediocre as hell and. It, took till the second half of the season too meanwhile 16 homers 12 steals 295 average he's been amazing Mm-hmm. yeah what do you think of lane thomas going forward uh <laughs> i don't even know what to think of him like uh let me let me bring up some numbers on him because like he's He's so hidden in Washington. Like, Washington is so bad. Like, you don't pay attention to the guys who are doing well. As the guys like Lane Thomas and Heimer Candelaria who are having really good years, like, you don't really even pay attention to it too much. I mean, he's making really great zone contact. Uh, He doesn't hit the ball particularly hard, though. I mean, you're talking about, like, a 39% hard hit percentage. I feel like this is one of those situations that it could dry up pretty quickly. Um, you think it'll dry up this year? Not necessarily. Um, I, you know, like he's not a guy you're depending on a ton of power for. So like maybe the power isn't very good rest of the way. You know, like he he's running a 
494 slugging percentage, but his X slug is 412. He's, you know, he's running a 295 average, but his XBA is 253. So, like, I think he comes back down to earth, but I don't think he completely falls off because he's going to play every day. It's in Washington, right? The question is, do the Nationals, you know, try to trade him even though he's got years of control? Because he's cheap and got years of control and they can get more back from him. Um, I just don't know. There's a lot of teams that are seeking a guy like Lane Thomas and want to give up very much for him. So, uh, I mean, you kind of want him to stay in Washington because you know he's going to play every day. If he ends up in, I don't know, Texas, is he going to play every day? You know, I think that, yeah. I mean, that's a fair question to ask. Yeah, I mean, I think he could end up platooning uh, or just sharing the role with someone. I mean, he is much better against lefties in 368 against yep. lefties and 261 against righties. So, short and it would be on short side oh. platoon. So, you're kind of hoping he doesn't get moved. I don't know that they will. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Uh, Lane Thomas is 27. That's not old. Just, just keep him. I don't think yeah. I don't think they're going to get a mint for him. Like no one's going to pay some crazy price. So just hang on, ride this out. And same with fantasy folks. I think you just ride yeah. this out. You paid so cheap for him. He's already paid dividends. Uh, I, I really like where Lane Thomas is at. Yeah, I think so, you just enjoy the fact you've gotten what you've gotten from him. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think it's going to be nearly as great the rest of the way or next season. But I think he's going to be fine. I think he will just continue to accumulate. Okay, yeah, I, I think that that's the right way to play it, and I don't think Washington will take him. Um, our, our other one down. I hate I hate that this yeah, is the I down know. one, but I got to bring it up. Lars Newtbar, where do you think he's ranking? He's I'm going to say he's too. 43rd. I wish, dude. 74th. Seven homers, seven steals, 28 ribbies, 46 runs with a 261 average. Yeah. The 28 ribbies, I think, is playing a big role there with Newtbar. Uh, because that is such a, a tiny number, and that's causing a big issue. But only seven homers as well, so he's down there uh, with, with a bunch of guys that uh, you know give you some indigestion, like uh, Trent Grisham. I know Dalton Varshow is causing people some issues right now. I loved Newt coming into the year. I saw more power than this. It hasn't come to fruition. Uh, did we just overestimate him, or has it just been kind of an up-and-down year with Lars Newtbar? Where do you stand? I think it's a little bit of both. I think part of it is like he's had kind of inconsistent playing time. He's missed a little bit of time with injury. Um, we what we just talked about with Jordan Walker in terms of the, the outfield is just stacked and like they just oh my god yes they have to figure out ways to get guys like Dylan Carlson in because you know while Dylan Carlson's not a good player or anything Shut like you're not your you're not holding him on the mouth, roster just dude. to be and and you know a bench guy so. Uh, I wonder if, again, like a Tyler O'Neill trade um, opens things up. You've got to think, like, when they said, when he came back from the IL and they went, oh, Tyler O'Neill's going to play every day, you you had to, like, in your mind just go, this is an audition, right? This is, like, they're hoping he goes on a tear, you know, for the last 100%. week before the All-Star break, so that way, or the, the uh, trade deadline, so that way they can move him for something, you know, of value, right? Because there's no way Tyler O'Neill is in Cardinals red come August 2nd. Can't be, right? Can't be. Can't be. something. They hate his guts. Yeah, they they can't stand that guy. Um, Mott-like intensity. Since it is the Cardinals, we can go back to the Mott-like intensity. Here's the thing. Newt Barr plays all the time. He's not the one who really gets sat. Occasional lefties, yeah. but they are staying committed to him. He's not holding up his end of the bargain. So, like I said, I was big on him. Really loved what he did last year. Uh, this has been a miss. I think it's going to remain a miss. I doubt he's going to have a huge surge down the stretch. I still think you're keeping him in 15s, which is where I was really going for Lars Newtbar. But I think in 10s, you can easily move on. 12s, I think you could probably – you can move on, and I wouldn't question it, right? There's a lot of guys in 12s that you would go for for new bar, over new bar. Yeah, I just want well, I'm just looking up something real quick. Okay, yeah, okay. that sucks. His ground ball percentage is what's killing him. That's like, exactly that's, it. Like it's I mean, and I was hoping like I, I was looking at the monthly splits and hoping oh, oh maybe it like started off bad and it's getting better. It, it's not getting better. It, I mean, no. 52 percent uh, for 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 July. So um, 
Yeah, I think you can. I mean, I, I'm holding on to him where I've got him, but that's because it's 15 team leagues, and I'm just exactly. you're not going to find much. Uh, on the wire that is a full-time player at this point he volumes his way into having some value in deeper formats but in your shallower formats yeah you should probably be looking somewhere else couldn't agree more on Lars Newtbar. we're holding them in our deeper leagues other leagues you're moving on uh there's some those are some surprising hitter rankings on the high and low sides there Justin we got to get going Trade deadline's going to be coming up soon. Hopefully, we get some trades going this week. I'd love to come on Friday and have two, three, four trades to talk about. I don't know if it's going to happen because teams like to drag their feet. And with the way the standings can move, I kind of get it for some of these teams that are like right there where if they go Mm -hmm. 5-0 in their next five, they're going to buy. If they go 1-4, they're selling. So it it is tenuous there. But uh, we'll talk on Friday and uh, have a good week. Take it easy.